Do Good Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. Welcome to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. I'm Pamela Escobar. In each Do Good Charlotte podcast, you will find out who's helping, who could use a helping hand, and just how you can spread around your own good. In this episode of Do Good Charlotte, we're going to meet William McNeely, the founder and head coach of Do Greater Charlotte. Do Greater Charlotte says they are using the good in ourselves to develop the great in others. We will be discussing how this nonprofit is helping doers, dreamers, and makers in Charlotte, and will inspire you to do good Charlotte by giving versus getting. William, welcome to Do Good Charlotte. For the audience who can't see us, I want to let them know that we are not together in the same studio. We are <laughs> each in our own space due to COVID-19. Yeah. And William, I know you just wrapped up an entrepreneur ses- session, so I want you to tell us a little bit about what that looks like and how um, that helps you fuel you to continue your work. Well, it's great. I'm, thanks for allowing me to uh, to be here uh, this evening. Uh, yeah, I just had a chance to, to uh uh, to finish a entrepreneurship session uh, with a group of middle schoolers from uh, Wilson Middle School here in Charlotte, and so it's it's exciting that that to always get together with the, with the students and to, uh, to teach. I love doing that, and so uh, you know we we had a session that we talked about uh, uh, within our what we call our Start Upward Academy, uh, which is a startup program that we have developed for middle schoolers and high schoolers to kind of take them through the entire process of starting a business, and so. Tonight, we had the opportunity to uh, uh, name the businesses and uh, start to create branding and logos around that business. So that definitely keeps me going during this time of COVID. Uh, we've had to move everything uh, virtual. Uh, and so there's some challenges there uh, dealing with the kids and and, uh, uh, and helping them to understand and move forward. But uh, it's fun. They love to get together. And these just a group of uh, very creative middle schoolers. Uh, and so uh, it's fun to, to, to have a chance to, uh, to kind of mold their minds going forward. So. Great time. Yeah. No, I have a middle schooler myself, and <laughs> she's pretty creative, too. So it's fun when you just – the way they look at things, it, it is different than us. And you can learn a lot from them and the way they, they see the world. So tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I read that you left corporate world, and you did teach middle schoolers uh, technology mm-hmm. solutions for a while. But you, you started at Apple. So talk about all that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a corporate America guy, uh, uh, you know, really started my career in educational technology, uh, and most of that career spanned uh, through Apple and a couple of other educational technology companies. But my my focus has always been uh, really uh, helping uh, individuals, whether that's been from a corporate perspective or or, or from a uh, a student uh, perspective, education-wise, to help them reach their full potential. So I love to do that. uh, specifically at Apple, where I had the chance to uh, uh, to uh, market and uh, technology solutions into K-12 uh, schools as well as universities across the East Coast. Uh, very fun job traveling to uh, you know to universities and really 
helping organizations to understand technology and how to utilize that technology into uh, into their curriculum and into the experience with their students. And so I did that for a number of years, worked for a couple of other companies here in town uh, doing the same thing. But uh, really my focus has always been on uh, youth and youth development. And uh, you know, even though I was working in corporate America at the time, I really in my spare time would always uh, be involved with kids, with youth, with, uh, you know, whether it was coaching football, which is the name coach comes from, uh, which a lot of folks call me, uh, coaching football at the youth level all the way up to the high school level, or if it was just in, uh, you know, working with my church, working with other nonprofits uh, in the community, really focused on giving back uh, to a community where I grew up in as well. Uh, and so, uh, you know, coming out of corporate America, I did, uh, I was in transition at one point and decided to go teach middle school. Uh, because again, my passion had always been, you know, working around kids, and so I wanted to see exactly what uh, it exp what the experience was uh, within a middle school environment. Uh, you know, not just volunteering, but actually being in being there day in and day out and teaching. And I had a great time, really. I mean, I had I, I took the uh, experience that I had from uh, the corporate marketplace and taught kids entrepreneurship and. Uh, computer application skills and things like that within that environment. So that was kind of the, I think the foundation impetus of what I do today, I kind of set, uh, you know, uh, the, the actual fire started burning at that time. Uh, and so I did literally go back into corporate America, uh, but now I, you know, went back to, you know, what I love to do. And that is now starting this foundation that actually sole purpose is to, uh, to help kids uh, reach their full potential. So I love what I'm doing. Don't miss corporate. Uh, there's a long story behind how I got to this, uh, and uh, we can go through that. It was really, um, you know, something that uh, I didn't anticipate initially, uh, going into a uh, uh, social good uh, foundation full time. I, well, I thought I would do. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm I, sorry to interrupt. I just no. you, you kind of glazed over the fact that you're an entrepreneur yourself. You and your yeah. wife, you started yeah. your own business. So, I mean, that's also, I mean, for people to be like, well, who's this guy to be teaching kids? In addition <laughs> to having all that corporate education and being a middle school teacher, you also um, started your own business. Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. It comes from my dad, uh, who was an entrepreneur as well, started uh, a shoe store when he was about 16. And so I, I got all of that entrepreneurial uh, mindset and skill set from him and him. And so even though I was in corporate America, I, I viewed myself as an entrepreneur in the corporate environment. And at the same time, my wife was a graphic designer uh, and we uh, started a uh, an agency, a little design studio about 20 years ago, uh, focused specifically on working with nonprofits, faith-based organizations and just community organizations around Charlotte. And we've been doing that for almost 20 years. And so we've worked with uh, a number of uh, organizations here. And so our passion, again, has always been there, the entrepreneur spirit spirit as well. And so I've started many, many companies that some have done well, some have, have failed. Uh, and uh, I've learned from all of that. And so what I wanted to literally do was to take all those experiences and, and, and bundle that up into a, a nonprofit where I could give back specifically to uh, the community that gave to me. I'm a native Charlottean. I grew up here in Charlotte with the school here uh, on the west side. And I saw the types of things that I was exposed to and had access to uh, that propelled my educational experience uh, within the Charlotte area and my family, my brothers as well, uh, coming from a very poor side of the, of the city in a single parent household. Uh, we had access and exposure to the types of things I, I think uh, uh, that we would not normally have because my mother was so, uh, uh, 
aware of what we needed to be successful. And so she made sure that we had the opportunity. And so for us, uh, my wife and I, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's incumbent upon us to do exactly the same thing. Uh, and so we, that's, that was one of the reasons why we started this foundation. So I, I love that you have a history of, of giving, uh, whether, and, and you figured out a way to still do it and make a living out of it, at it as well when you have your own firm, you're still helping nonprofits and faith-based organizations. That's really awesome. Now, the, another big part of your story is your health, right? That's mm-hmm. another big motivator for your work. Yeah, yeah, really, uh, you know, uh, about four years ago or so at this point now, uh, within corporate America, I was doing well and kids were growing up and was coaching football with my son, just having a great time, great family life. And all of a sudden I became sick one day, uh, just out of the blue. And I was trying to figure out what was going on and I couldn't travel as much as I used to. And my body was kind of breaking down and uh, was diagnosed at that time with a immunosuppressant uh, 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 immuno disease, uh, which really uh, caused my lungs to, to scar and it turned turned into full-blown um, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Uh, out of nowhere, I uh, didn't know that I had it, didn't know my lungs were scarred. Uh, but one day I was healthy, and the next day uh, I was diagnosed with, with the disease. And then at that point, I uh, went, went into the hospital. And from that day on, I was on oxygen 24 hours a day, 24-7, uh, carrying, around an, car- carrying around an oxygen tank. It went from one tank to three tanks. Uh, and very quickly. And so uh, I think this was around 2016. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it was a drastic change within my life, you know, be- being healthy one week and, and sick and dying literally the next week. Uh, wow. And uh, and so I had to really kind of, you know, take a, a really uh, inventory of my life and, and where I was at that point. And, and, and for me, it was like, uh, you know, I was always taught to be a giving and serving person. That was just in my uh, DNA. And so I had done a lot of good things. I mean, I'd have been on boards of nonprofit organizations. I had given back to the community. I was always out doing things, but I felt it, I felt it really wasn't enough. Uh, and at that time, I really just reflected and said, you know, what's next? I mean, I might, I don't know how long I have, and I want to make sure that my impact uh, 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 is felt, uh, not only from what I had already done, but what I still have to do. Uh, and, I, and I said at that time, it was very clear to me, uh, you know, there was a kind of a sentence that came into my mind and it says commit to doing something greater that will keep giving when you are no longer able to give and mm-hmm. I said what does that mean um, you know what is that and 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 it really starts to crystallize for me is uh you know go beyond good all of us have good inside of us but until we move that good into action then we start to do greater things to impact the lives of other people and so I felt all the good that I had had in myself it was time to move that to greatness. It was time to do something else that would continue to give when I was no longer here. Because again, I didn't know how much longer I had. And so as I started to do that, that's what do greater came from. It literally came from a Bible verse, uh, John 14, 12. It, it talks about we would do greater things in our lives. Uh, and I, I held on to that. I, we started to create the brand. My wife uh, created the logo, it was do greater. Uh, and we started to create t-shirts around that, sweatshirts and and then we started to really talk about what that meant to us. I, I would talk to, you know, kids in, in, in school or universities, football teams, a variety of anybody that I could pull together and say, hey, it's time for us to go beyond. It's time for us to move towards greater action and greater impact uh, as opposed to other things. And so we did that for 
about a year, but my health continued to decline. Oh. Uh, and even and even though I was pushing and pushing and pushing uh, at the beginning of two, 2019, it was evident that uh, I was on my last leg. Uh, and I was <clears throat> sent to Duke uh, uh, Medical uh, Center for a double lung transplant. Uh, got up there, um, had to go through the uh, prehab, they call it, just this rehab uh, that actually literally gets you strong enough to uh, to survive the double lung transplant surgery. And so I went to that, uh, went through that for a couple of weeks and it was called in uh, to with the doctors and the doctor literally told me at that point, uh, you are getting so bad, your oxygen level is, uh, is so low and we ha we're having to supplement so much oxygen that we literally don't know if you will survive for, for two more weeks. If oh. we don't trans, if we don't transplant you within a within two weeks, we don't know what will happen. And for me, it was more of a okay. I understand this, uh, but I was always taught from my mom to be positive, look for the the good in in everything. And I, t I literally told the doctor at that point. I said, "Well, it seems like we only we've got two weeks to figure out how to make this thing work." Uh, and he looked at me and he said, "Look, I think I can get you transplanted this weekend." And I looked at him and I said, "Well." You know, I don't know how you're going to do that because obviously we know that uh, in order to be transplanted with a double lung transplant, somebody literally has to die. I mean, I right. have to have uh, lungs uh, and you can't predict that. You know, there have been many, many times where people who you know, literally died waiting for their transplant. And here I am, you know, at the edge of uh, termination uh, and I'm trying to figure out what to do within the next two weeks. And literally that Saturday, I got a call from Duke. And they said, we have lungs. Uh, and by Sunday morning, I was transplanted with two new lungs. By that afternoon, I was breathing. By the next day, I was breathing on my own. Uh, within a couple of days, I was up walking uh, through the hospital. Uh, within two weeks, I was out of the hospital. Uh, and I was uh, in rehab. And within three weeks of, uh, of rehab, I was sent back home uh, to Charlotte in uh, Memorial Day weekend, 2019. Wow. You know, the, the doctors told me that it would take six to eight months for me to get back to where I was. Uh, within six weeks, I was back in Charlotte. And that Friday, I was at the Creative Mornings uh, trying to meet people, trying to figure out how to start this nonprofit. <laughs> so it, it took me about four, about four weeks before I hit the street again. And uh, it was, you know, it was just, I, and for me, when I, when I talk about it sometimes, it's, you know, sometimes I, I, yeah, I, don't, I have I don't, chills, just so you know, I'm listening to this yeah, and I have chills yeah. because if that's not a miracle, if that's not a gift from God, I don't know what is, you know, that's just, you're meant to be here and, and, and you're taking it and running with it. And I just, I, I, what a blessing. Thank God. Yeah. And I think that's the key for me. When everybody asks me, they say, well, what kept you going? What was it that, uh, that allowed you to move past that challenge and that obstacle? And I, and I literally tell people, I said, you know, what I started to look at was the obstacle or the oxygen was the literal fuel for me to do greater things. It was what, what was propelling me uh, to move forward. And I looked, uh, I looked past and beyond the challenge into what I was, you know, what I thought I was being called to do. And I just knew in my heart that I wasn't finished. And so when I went back and I, you know, they, they, they uh, rolled me back for the, uh, you know, for the surgery, I told my wife and family, I said, I'll see you in the morning. Uh, and uh, we've got some, some additional things to do. And so, you know, from that point on, I, uh, I uh, you know, we, we crystallized the foundation. Uh, we formalized everything. And that's when we started to move into the actual uh, programming around what we do today. So you have your why. It's very clear. How do you help kids find their why? 
you know, it's interesting because that's the first thing we start with, because I think it's so important that as individuals, we understand why we exist. I mean, I remember a couple about three years ago, even before I got, honestly, before that, before I got sick, it must be about five years ago, as I was going through kind of the midlife crisis for me and in, in a uh, kind of a transition period from a corporate perspective for me, I decided at that point, I wanted to find that out. I mean, what is this? What am I here for? And at the time, you know, the uh, start start with why Simon Sinek and all those books were out and everybody was trying to figure out, okay, what is this? How, why do I exist? And I literally sat down and wrote, you know, a statement because I, you know, I'd been in sales and marketing for a number of years. And, uh, you know, I would always come up with you know, my pitch and things like that about what I was doing and what I wanted to sell. So I needed to literally have a pitch myself. You know, how do I pitch what who I am and what I want to do? And I literally wrote down and said, you know, I exist to help people reach their full potential through leadership, vision, and focus so they can do greater things to make an impact on the lives of other people. Uh, and that's what I came up with. And so when people started to ask me, you know, why, why do you do this? I said, well, you know, my, my focus has always been to help people reach their full potential. And this is how I do it. And this is why I do it. Uh, and everything that I've done in my entire life, there's an underpinning of that uh, that, is, that has existed. Uh, and so what I did literally was just bring that to the front. So how do we teach kids that? How do we talk about that with kids? Well, we literally start with a uh, session that we call, we call it the rhythm of why. Uh, because we have to, in our sessions and what we do, we have to make it fun for kids. And so if I were to just come up and say, hey, we're going to go through this, or this, this, these uh, examples and sessions about how do, we, how do you create your why statement and all this, they would probably look at me like I'm a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> but what we do is we start, we take the iPads uh, that we have in our truck and we start, we start, working, we start working on a song uh, through GarageBand. And when kids see GarageBand, you know, a lot of people have access to GarageBand, but nobody knows how to use it. Nobody does anything. Yes, it's on like every <laughs> <You know>? phone. <laughs> it's, like it's on every phone, it's on every iPad, but nobody ever uses it. And unless you're in music or music production or something like that. So what we try to do is, you know, we start opening it up and the kids start playing around with it. And our music is always that, you know, that commonality that we all have together. So they start creating beats and start doing these things. And so we start helping them do that. And they all come up with a great beat, you know, whether it's hip hop or jazz or pop or whatever that might be. And everybody starts to share these beats that they uh, that they have. But then we go through a little exercise where we have this uh, them to start writing that that why statement. You know, we go to a, you know what what are you passionate about? We ask the question, what do you do when nobody tells you what to do? If your parents are with you or aren't with you, or it's a Saturday morning and nobody tells you what to do. What would you do? Uh, and they all start to say things. Oh, I want to play games all day. And stuff. But as you start to dig deeper and deeper, deeper, they start to tell you what they're interested in. You know, I watch, I watch a lot of history channels. I like, you know, I like to watch biology or animals and things like that. So you start to pull things out of them uh, that starts to really tell you who they are and what they, you know, what they like. And then we start taking those passions and we put it in a sentence that we, you know, that we mock up for them. And they start to literally say why they exist and what they're passionate about and what their purpose is. And then we take that and we let them rap it or sing it or however they want to do it and record that. And we put that recording over top of the beats that they just created. But now they have a song and they're so excited about it because they have the beat, they have the lyrics, they're rapping it, they're doing whatever they want. But what they don't realize now is they have their purpose and their why statement. And they're rapping it, they're singing it, and over and over and over is getting inside of them. 
Uh, and they're now that. starting, and they're now starting to say, you know what, I do, I do want to do that. I am passionate or compassionate. I am a, I am a compassionate person, so I want to go into into healthcare. I do want to be a nurse. I do want to be a doctor. You know, so all these types of things are starting to to to, to come together, and they start to realize who they are and what they want to do. And so we carry that on into uh, other sessions that we have. But that's literally how we start to really focus on that purpose and that why statement, because we do believe that's the uh, the foundation of why we exist and what we need to have as we move forward. This is Pamela Escobar. You're listening to Do Good Charlotte. We're going to take a break as you think about your why. And when we come back, we'll discuss how kids can get involved, how you can give and support Do Greater Charlotte. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care feels like home because video visits bring my provider to me. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care doesn't have to wait because after hours, urgent care knows accidents happen. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. Let's talk about doers and coaches. What is Do Greater Charlotte? Well, really, Do Greater Charlotte is an organization of creatives training the next generation of creative, uh, what we call creators for good. And so our focus is on individuals and kids who are out there with these with these this creative mind, this creative intellect, we call it, uh, and they're not being nurtured in some of their, uh, you know, other traditional uh, subjects and classes within the kind of traditional educational environment. And so what we try to create is a creative atmosphere uh, that allows these kids to do things they love, you know, whether that's sports or, or technology or coding or, or uh, music. Uh, and we do all, we teach all that creativity through the lens, again, of what they like to do. Uh, and so uh, we do this a couple of different ways. One, we ex- have established a, a physical truck that we literally take out. Uh, we call it the mobile creative lab that we can take out into the community and bring kids into uh, filled with uh, 25 iPads, TVs, projectors, things of that sort where we, where we can teach these creative classes within the confines of that truck. Now, obviously, COVID has caused us some issues based around keeping kids physically inside the truck. Uh, so we've moved some of our programming online, uh, and more specifically, we've moved our Entrepreneurship Academy online uh, initially, and then we'll start to move, we, which we call Start Upward, uh, and then we'll move our uh, Coding uh, Academy, which is called Code Upward, uh, online as well. Uh, but uh, we have created what we think is a uh, is an, a creative environment that does three things for us that we think are important for our kids, and that's one uh, 
to uh, allow them to have access to quality tools and equipment because a lot of kids necessarily don't necessarily have that uh, within their environment at home. A uh, second thing we want to provide them is uh, is a creative space to do that. You know, whether that's a creative truck, whether that's creative opportunities online, or whether that's a new physical creative space that we're uh, planning uh, next year. Uh, and the third thing that we uh, we hope to do is is uh, provide a uh, a collaborative and uh, nurturing community uh, for them around adults who can pour into them as mentors uh, as well. And so those are, those are the three things that we think are important for our kids or three things that we provide uh, access to through our programming. So one of the things that you I read about you is that, you know, you have this philosophy, um, getting to giving. Um, so how do you get kids to understand that getting to giving and then how do you find people like your coaches and other people who are going to be teaching these classes uh who get that who understand that giving is better than getting yeah i, I think you know it's it's definitely a philosophy that we have at the do greater foundation and i think initially from a from a kid's perspective uh we have our what we call our do greater uh principles that we teach and, and i just told you one of them which was go beyond good uh, and uh, ideas to action, a variety of different ones that we talk about. And, uh, and one of those is that uh, it talks about uh, uh, um, getting to giving. It's the ability to understand that uh, it's more important for us uh, to make an impact on lives that will give back to you in the long term. And so what we try to, we, we try to focus on is more of uh, not getting things, but what is the actual impact of what we do. Uh, and so we, we focus on outcomes. Uh, we always talk about, you know, uh, everybody, you know, we always get, you know, I got an idea, I got an idea. And everybody comes up to us and talks about, you know, their ideas and how great their entrepreneurial uh, idea is. And we will tell them, we'll tell, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen. Everybody has ideas. I've got many, many books filled with ideas. Uh, but until you move that idea to action and that action becomes an impact on other people, it's, it's worth nothing. Uh, and I think you start to see that uh, with organizations, you know, very large corporate organizations as well, who are starting to understand uh, this whole social enterprise process and the, and the fact that uh, consumers want to buy from a company who are, who's making an impact into their community. Uh, and if they can't see that impact and if they can't uh, identify with that, then they go on to somebody else. Uh, and so we want to install that and instill that in the kids early on about that whole impact that they can start to, to, uh, to see uh, at, the, at the middle school level, you know, the, 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 the ideas and actions that they take, what that impact is on other people's lives. And so literally we just had a, a session with the entrepreneur, with, with entrepreneurial academy with kids. And a lot of their ideas are all based on helping uh, and I think it just stems from when we start the whole you know, do greater principles. And so they, you know, they, they, they do things like, oh, well, I want to create this, this business around helping the homeless. Uh, I've got this idea about uh, helping uh, 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 underperforming kids uh, learn uh, about finance. I mean, all these, all these helping uh, types of activities that these kids start to come up with, because those are the things that our principles stress. Uh, and when you talk about our coaches and our adults and things like that who actually help us, it really is just a, I think we attract people who understand that. Uh, we don't necessarily go out and say, hey, we're looking for specific people that do this. I think what we do is we tell what we're all about. We tell our story. Uh, we tell, uh, you know, literally the change in me, the opportunity where I 
you know, uh, spent many, many years getting, you know, I've got, you know, I got the house, I got the cars, I got the families, I got all the things that everybody wants. That meant nothing when I was sitting there getting rolled back into the uh, emergency room and not knowing that I, if I would come out or not. That didn't matter. What mattered was the fact that uh, I thought about the impact that I made on other people. It wasn't what I had. And then I questioned the fact if I made enough impact. And so when I came out, it was just a matter of, uh, of, of uh, uh, moving those thoughts into action and finding people that can create a community around that. And we found a lot. I mean, we found a lot of folks yeah. who have who have joined with us and said, we appreciate what you're doing and we want to help. I mean, our corporate sponsors well, and I was now as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, and I was going to say, like, uh, that's what's so great about your website is that um, you you have these buttons on there and you can give today, donate and buy because you have things that people can buy, too, if they want to support you. But the give today isn't about giving money. It's about volunteering. And um, so you're always looking for good volunteers and um, yeah. mm -hmm. that buy in. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think one thing that we continue to grow and, and, and hope and hopefully we can make an impact on a lot of kids. Uh, and the more volunteers that we have, the more impact we make, we can make. And we look for a couple of different types of volunteers. One, we look for content volunteers, folks with, with, with skill sets that can teach our classes, creative individuals from creative occupations, whether that's design, engineering, coding, um, uh, music, uh, video production, variety of those uh, creative uh, uh, occupations, as well as individuals who uh, can just be uh, a mentor uh, to these kids and, and allow them to see the types of things that they can become. Uh, and so we look for a lot of volunteers and volunteers this can help us do things, uh, you know, solely because of the fact that uh, I try to do a lot, uh, but I have had a double lung transplant. So I have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't so long I, ago. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes I forget, you know, but, you know, because I'm still within that first year and a half. And so that, that's, wow, you know, pretty difficult uh, time. Uh, but uh, yeah, so just, so, you know, sometimes we just need people lift stuff and help us to get things to, uh, uh, to different uh, sides of the city. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, we are moving toward a physical space, and we've partnered with uh, uh, local churches, Shiloh Church uh, in Camp Green, uh, right off Wilkinson Boulevard and, and uh, uh, Moorhead, uh, where we will literally be building a co-working, co-learning space for youth, almost 4,000 square feet that we will turn into a very creative space uh, that can house all of our programming, uh, but as well can be opened up to the community uh, with things like um, maker labs, video production, uh, music production. A photography studios uh, and just general co-learning spaces that kids can come in and learn uh, from each other and with each other. Oh, that sounds so fun. So cool. Um, so for people who don't know, what is your website? How do we find you? How do we get involved? Yeah, website is, is very easy, dogreater.org. Uh, and uh, uh, you can uh, go uh, on dogreater. You can send uh, uh, some information or put in anything and, and we'll get right back to you. You can give directly on, on the site uh, as well. Uh, we're official 501c3 nonprofit. So all the proceeds at this point, all the proceeds go to our program. I mean, there's, we have no paid staff. Uh, you know, at this point, it's, it's, uh, we want to make sure as we are growing that everything that we, we bring in goes directly to the kids. Uh, and as well, we are starting a full, uh, a campaign to uh, to build uh, and uh, renovate the space at the, at Shiloh Institutional Baptist Church as well. So we are fundraising around that, uh, and you'll see some things uh, between now and Giving Tuesday, December first, uh, that you will have opportunities out there to give 
uh, to our organization as well to our campaign uh, to renovate that space. And you're also on Instagram, which makes sense for all those creatives that you want yeah, to attract. Yeah, so what is your, what's your handle on that? Do greater as well at do greater on Instagram uh, at do greater org on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, uh, and then I'm W McNeely Jr. So you'll see, you go to do greater uh, on Instagram, most social media uh, uh, sites, and you'll see us there. Awesome. So people can keep up and keep track of what you're doing uh, when they're, yeah, when yeah. they can see the growth and uh, giving Tuesday is a great opportunity. I think a lot of people actually might get overwhelmed with all the options out there. So I know that people will um, like to hear like what you said, that all, all the money is going right into the programming because you don't have staff right now. So, or paid staff, I should say. So that for a lot of people who are doing their research, trying to figure it out, I'm, I'm hoping they found this podcast and have been, had the opportunity to learn a little bit more about you. I just, before we end, I just wanted to ask, what has surprised you most about getting into this? What has surprised me most? Uh, I think just the help that we have received from the community. I mean, I think it's, it's uh, we have been extremely well received uh, with our organization, our process, um, and we've, we've, we've had a tremendous amount of help at this point uh, from the community, uh, specifically, uh, you know, in uh, helping us get started, helping us to meet people, helping us to understand how to navigate this whole uh, nonprofit world. I mean, I kind of, I come out of corporate America, so I think differently, uh, which is good sometimes in the nonprofit world, but at the same time, I've got to make sure that uh, I'm doing things correctly in that area as well. So the number of people that have uh, reached out to us and, have, and have, have helped us uh, with this process has been phenomenal. And it just continues to surprise me uh, every day. I get an email or a call and to say, we love what you're doing. Uh, we love your story and we want to help. Oh, that's great. Well, do you know someone else like William who is doing good or greater in our community? Let me know. Tell me about someone or a nonprofit organization that should be heard on Do Good Charlotte. Reach out to me, Pamela Escobar, on social media. I'm Reporter Pam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or go to the Queen City Podcast Network page and fill out the contact form for Do Good Charlotte. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. I'm Pamela Escobar. Thanks for listening to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina.